0: We follow them too, and we have the exact same question. Join us as we interview the people that leave us thinking, oh, they get it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the final part of our conversation with Cole and with Alan, the co-founders of Acid League. Today, we're going to talk all about channel strategy, which to the non-e-commerce people out there probably sounds dull, (laughs) I can imagine, but it's actually really cool. And especially the way that these two do it, it's really cool. Um, They think of their direct to consumer arm of their business, almost as like a testing ground, right? These are our loyal fans who are going to go above and beyond to purchase from us. They don't just pick us up when they're walking the aisles in Whole Foods. These are our more loyal customers and thus our better product testers. And so it's really cool when you think of product development almost going through this litmus test of their direct to consumer audience. And once it performs really well on their website, then they bring it mass market. And so it's actually, this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but I remember when Doritos was coming up with new chip flavors and they literally launched like a social campaign first that would essentially help them understand the market and their appetite for these new flavors. And only once it did so well in the market, Uh, or at least in the social test, I should say, would it actually hit mass retail? I think it's really creative and I think it's really honestly just like efficient to do it this way. And so stay tuned. Cole and Alan are going to tell us all about the strategy and how to keep retailers like Whole Foods happy at the same time. There's a lot in here. So I will get right to it. Please welcome Cole and Alan back to part three of They Get It.
1: We're back with part three with Alan and Cole from Acid League. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes yet, go listen so you can get a little more background um, about what it is they've been building with Acid League. In this section, we're going to talk all about sales channels. Um, and one of the first questions I have is, obviously, a lot of D2C brands are opting to do e-com only. How do you avoid D2C and e-com cannibalizing each other?
2: And retail, excuse me, DDC and retail, <laughs>
1: DDC and retail, yes. Yeah, there we go.
2: Question. Yeah, good question. Um, in a lot of ways, DDC is an opportunity for us to be truly experimental. You don't have that same luxury when addressing the mass market, and a lot you have to know your audience and whether or not they're shopping at a Walmart or a Whole Foods. People still have a tolerance for how experimental you can really go. And you have to be very mindful when launching a product to the market. Is this something that is going to have, it's amazing and it tastes great and you could scale it and it even is profitable, but to some extent it's not going to be moving through the category. So you have to take that into account when addressing how to not cannibalize your own self. For example, it's not totally sustainable for us to sell the products that we sell at retail online right now. You can only find a very limited selection of products that we're selling online right now. And that's because it's just functionally a different product that we need to address to one market and another. I mean, there's some other nuances, just shipping and so on and so forth. But you have to understand when shipping a product, especially on our DTC platform, we have 300 milliliter or 375 milliliter bottles. It's very, very expensive to ship. And so in a lot of ways we prevent ourselves from cannibalizing because fundamentally you're launching two different sets of products. Mm. You're not actually competing against yourself in a lot of ways. But I think to expand a little bit further, I'll I'll go into retail and I don't mean to defer the question but I think it's a good example to sort of highlight what I'm talking about. Alan and I launched our products, um, our first core line of living vinegars Three pro three vinegars. When we see opportunity in this space, we understand that buyers don't make the same buying decisions when they're gravitating towards a balsamic, and when they're gravitating towards a white vinegar, or red wine vinegar, or white wine vinegar. In our case, Garden Heat, Iron Lemon Honey, and Strawberry Rosé. So, in the same context of why don't we just drop a line of balsamics? Which, you know, shameless plug. We just happened to drop this month. Catch us in Whole Foods and in Canada as well, that buying behavior is not necessarily gravitating towards the same product category, but it's two different types of products within that category. And so, for example, how that relates to DTC is my absolute favorite product is our Sweet Annie Vinegar. And our Sweet Annie, people are like, what's Sweet Annie? Well, Sweet Annie was a stalk-like flower that Alan and I harvested at the Guelph Organic Farm. We brewed it into a tea, mixed a little bit of honey and fermented that into a vinegar. And that doesn't live on retail shelves. It just like, it can't because it's just not, I've used the word accessible a couple of times in these interviews. It's just not an accessible product. And so we're mindful of that. And that's why we launch it to our fans, to the vinegar freaks, because they know that they can find that online but then they also understand that if they want something that's a little bit more translatable something that they'll be able to share with their friends something that they can say hey look what i saw at the local store that's where like those type of more accessible products come in products like mango jalapeno cilantro mm-hmm. vinaigrette um in contrast to the jung mole ketchup that i alluded to a little bit in the other one like it just one you're not comparing apples to apples. And so I'd say right. that's worked really well to our advantage because our retail customers gravitate towards DTC and our DTC cu- customers gravitate towards retail. It works both ways extremely well for us. And I think that's added a lot of credibility on AcidLeak's side to be able to create product for the masses, but then also mm-hmm. create products for like that niche group that really is looking for something truly different.
3: Yeah, but yeah I think Cole touched on something really important, which is, like, I think traditionally how you would look at it is one channel, one buyer, other channel, one buyer. And, like, to some extent, you would, you would kind of look at that, but we have seen a lot of overlap. Like, you do see it as actually the same person but different occasion in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that want to, you know, when they're meal prepping, they just want to eat something, like, a little bit more comforting, a little bit more familiar, and a little bit of gravity towards what we have in retail. But there are occasions for some, you know, for some foodies that, you know, like no one lives like a particular lifestyle 24-7, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like it's it, people are more complicated than that. And I think, yeah, like I, you know, I 100% gravitate towards, you know, Meyer lemon honey vinegar, which mm-hmm. is you know, a, a retail product in a lot of my cooking. And I use it quite a bit um, because I think it just goes with a lot of the foods that I've been, used to cooking but when i'm being more experimental for the you know, slightly more special occasions i will gravitate to some of the more experimental stuff um, like we have a tokyo tomato which is like a super umami tomato based vinegar that's almost like it's really like a sauce ultimately um it's like a sour sauce that just has so much depth of flavor and it's like what do you use that on you know i i i, I can kind of have it around and and start to learn, but it takes it, it. takes like a different mindset. I'm not in like go, go, go yeah. mode, which I'm in a lot. I'm in like, mm-hmm. oh, like I guess avocado toast would actually benefit from that or, you know. It, it's like, it's a slower burn, but it's, it's like a different experience, it's not just food. It's like, it's,
0: it's, 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 it's actually like
3: challenging your like kind of relationship with food and, and kind of growing and enriching that side of, of things.
0: Yeah, honestly, I didn't even think about the fact that you guys had two completely different Product lines for each channel that exactly to your point solves that problem, um, and I like the other idea of like you're not the same person 24/7. There's totally times when you want to like lean into the romance of cooking and, and experimentation. Um, I do know from other guests that we've had on that Whole Foods tends to be kind of our way or the highway a little bit when it comes to working with a lot of brands. At what point can you start to take the experimental skews from your website and go to Whole Foods saying like, hey, this has seen whatever level of success, now it warrants your attention?
2: I think it's all about relationships. I mean, that's business, right? And is it's so critical to be able to form a partnership with a retailer like Whole Foods. Do you establish trust in a lot of ways,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, but Alan and his team have been working overdrive for the past four or five months. We're launching another fifteen products nationally um in January. And we have two oh. dropping right now, like you can like with these broth bomb products. And they trust and all like we've established legitimacy as a company and I think that it's worked out really well for both parties
1: hmm no it makes sense and I think the proofs in the pudding with retail is like once you show them the numbers and you have conversion and you have a good relationship then they're going to start giving you a little more attention
2: I will say it's not all sunshine and rainbows you know like it's, it really <laughs> isn't and like you know behind the scenes as Alan mentioned like there's, there's a lot going on and like it's just managing a you know pandemic
3: and supply chain issues like it, it's a partnership on both ways I think, I think ultimately to answer your question like super directly, I think we're actually too young. Like we haven't existed on D2 like o- online long mm-hmm. enough to actually enter the conversation the way that you kind of alluded to where it's like, mm-hmm. look, point to this product look how well it's doing in these regions. Yeah. Do you want to do a regional test? So we haven't even entered a conversation like that because I don't think we have data that is, mm-hmm. you know, maybe meaningful to what I would say a buyer, like maybe... You know, someone that understands DTC or specializes in DTC, or like someone on, you know, someone else, or investors, like great. But I think for a buyer, yeah. some buyers might not want to take that chance until they see like quite a bit of runway. um But yeah, that coupled with the fact that I think that there is a lot of trust in our vision for what is interesting, even in at even for the mainstream, is is probably why we we probably won't enter that conversation for, for years.
0: (laughs) Yep.
1: One piece at a time. And I think you're both doing a lot of things, right. And early indicators are looking strong. So I'm excited to see where acid league continues to go in the next few years. Thank you both so much for coming on. We are over time. So we'll wrap the conversation here and let you get back to your evenings. But yeah, thanks again for coming on. I love what you're doing with Acid League and yeah, great chatting with you.
2: We're jazzed that there's even an opportunity to do this. Like, so Thank you for yeah, hosting Thanks us. for having us.
0: Thank you so much for listening and make sure to go check out Acid League, whether that's on Instagram, looking at their website, or who knows, maybe even picking up a few products next time you're getting your groceries at Whole Foods. We are coming back to you with another three-part series next week with a woman named Taylor Frankel. She is one of the co-founders of Sticks. I am such a huge fan, and I'm so excited to share that with all of you. Until then, I wish you a lovely week, and we'll see you soon.